Good morning to the winter session of Secret to My Success. My name is Alan, and I have some pretty amazing people that I get the pleasure of working with and putting this show together. My co-host, Lewis, is a former Major League Baseball player and coach. He thinks the only reason why I like him is because he played for the Red Sox. He's dead wrong. It's not the only reason, but it's a pretty high on the list reason. Come on, Alan. We all know how big the Red Sox are in, inside that head of yours. However, having fun here with you is what's important. You know, know you get to know you for quite some time, and uh, you've definitely uh, taught me a lot, and uh, life is different. You know, it's never a dull moment near you. Louis, you're a good guy. We love having you here. And the insight that you bring from another perspective and all the guests that you brought has been simply amazing. We also have George, one of our producers. He's the younger generation representative that books our guests and keeps the schedule alive. He's always searching for interesting stories and people that will educate, motivate, and inspire our listeners. We had pretty amazing guests in our first 12 episodes, so he has created a super high bar to jump over this time around. I just feel like crying. I think that's the nicest thing you've ever said to me. George, it probably is the nicest thing I've ever said. Probably is the nicest thing. <laughs> George, is there anything you'd like to add to our winter session? I'm super excited to be here. I'm excited to be here for another season of Secret to My Success, and I'm super excited for the guests that we're going to have. I can only imagine now that we're growing bigger, we're growing bolder, the amount of stories that we're going to be getting. And you're getting braver. Oh. Yeah, we can fix that. <laughs> Dawn is the brains behind the operation. She knows which buttons to push and when to push them. She knows my buttons and all the other buttons in the studio as well. Dawn? Let's I'm, talk about buttons. I'm learning how to push your buttons in which direction, right, we want you to go, Alan. Yes. <laughs> I'm happy to be here and be part of your team. I love what you guys are doing. I love the direction it goes in. All the people that you've interviewed so far that I get to see, I think it's amazing. And there's always something for us to learn and grow from. Well, thank you. Winter session format has not changed, except probably a little colder where you live. We will continue with our mediocre air talent. That's all of us here, guys. Everyone. Uh -huh. Great inspirational guests telling their secret to success, celebrities that have transitioned to being business owners, and resources to help wannabe business owners and current business owners achieve their personal and professional level of success. We have so much fun doing this. We are going to continue. That will not change. We're so glad you're here with us. Welcome to Secret to My Success. Bienvenidos. You're welcome to Secret to My Success. Shalom. Let's make it happen. <laughs> Very good. Good morning. This is Alan with Secret to My Success. Thank you for being here on this lovely Saturday morning. Way too early for most human beings to be awake, but those that are dedicated and those truly want to succeed are here with us. So it is actually Dawn and I today. It's just us today. We are spending quality time together. That's I'm, it. I'm so excited about this Saturday morning. <laughs> so with us, we have a guest. We have Deborah. I'm sorry, Debbie Krasuski. So, Debbie, let's talk about you. You are okay. the owner of DK Consulting, correct? Correct, yes. Tell me a little bit about DK Consulting. I started DK Consulting after I decided to leave corporate America. Um, I wasn't uh, representing myself and my values of who I was as a person. I wanted to work hold, on helping. Hold, hold one second. Let's go, let's go back one second. Corporate America, what were you doing in corporate America? Let's talk about the transition. Sure. So I was in operations and sales. Uh, I had worked in some major corporations. The last 
position that I held was an interim COO at a hospital in New York City, Brooklyn to be specific, and um, it just was not the right fit for me at all. It, every time I went up f- higher in the ladder, I just found myself being more unhappy and more or less of who I wanted to be represented as. So I just dug deep within myself and the voices inside of me said it's time to go and just do, you'll you'll find all the answers and you'll do the right thing. So So, so Debbie, you I were hearing little believe. voices. <laughs> well, big voices <laughs> I was hearing I believe that I was hearing from God. So I I know that for sure I was being guided in the right direction. Okay, so when you were making this leap from being in corporate America to deciding to do your own thing, tell me about the trials, tribulations you had to go through in order to make that jump. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a big, you're taking a big chance. So I did have a few clients when I left that, um, again, I said, this isn't right. I'm going back right exactly to where I was. Uh, Clients that just did not align in the same values. Uh, it was it's continuing to reinvent the wheel. So projects that I was working on at that time back in 2017 are not the same projects that I'm working on now. Being able to get your brand and your name out and your value and exactly what you can offer people was very difficult. Um, and I just kept reinventing myself and networking with people that aligned in the same values. So as I left that, I was given a tremendous opportunity to start a non-for-profit missionary program uh, for young adults. And it's a program that is in Europe, but we brought it to the United States. And we grew it from starting with six missionaries to 25. Uh, We raised over a million dollars in a year and a half. Um, it was very exciting, and then COVID came, and all these missionaries are from all over the world, so we had to make sure that everybody got home timely and safely and healthy. Um, and right now we're on a hold because of COVID, again, with visa restrictions and getting people to be able to safely come to the United States on a, on a visa. Debbie, there's a huge misconception that not-for-profits don't actually have to make money. Mm. They think that, you know, we, we just that, do it for free. Can you explain your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's completely not true because, you know, you need to survive. It's not that people are in it to make big dollars. A lot of it is volunteer work. I definitely didn't go into it what I would have charged uh, a major corporation so there is sacrifice there, but there's a greater good. And if you only chase dollar signs, you're never going to be full in, with abundance. Right. Um, yeah, you have to. I have to feed 25 people, 25 missionaries, number one, but then also a staff that's also living with them for nine months. So that costs about close to $20,000 a person to support the program and to give them room and board and a you know, a, a, a life that you, that they are living while they're a missionary and to support some of the programs of going to feed the homeless with the Sisters of Charity, going to work at um, underprivileged camps for children across the United States, promoting their, their work and their program to parishes all across the United States. 
and then growing these missionaries within themselves. So we bring in teachers from all over the world that can support the program and really teach them the value of life that's part of their their growth process within the nine months. Debbie, let's talk a little bit about Soul Meets Body. Okay. And it's not a Halloween horror flick. Explain to <laughs> it's us not, Soul Meets Body. not ask that. <laughs> so let's hear it. Tell us. So... I became a writer um, after I left corporate America. Again, I felt driven to start writing. And my first two books are uh, together. They are uh, related about just a wild journey that um, it is a fiction novel, so it's not a real story. But it was a lot of tales that I couldn't tell about my spiritual journey. I decided to write Soul Meets Body. Um, I was in a, a relationship that we saw things extremely differently, and he had pointed out a lot of things to me of he wasn't always the bad guy and how we just could not get on the same page. So I was very upset and frustrated by it. So I decided to start writing just about feelings and emotions, not the real stories that happened, because, again, it is a fiction novel. We, uh, I just wanted to see it through his eyes. So I wrote a book about emotions and feelings of how he would have, how I could do my best to see things through his eyes. So it's an interesting journey of how we're all connected and how we come together and how we, you know, if it's right and it's meant to be, it's always going to work out. Debbie, tell me how you think that this book and the information and the lessons that you're teaching would translate into helping either family businesses or people that are in business with partners? That's a wonderful question. Thank you. I actually uh, have become a certified dream manager uh, with under the supervision of Matthew Kelly, who wrote the program. And so what I do is I just decided to live my life in positivity and encouragement. So I write a blog about encouraging life stories. My books are based on real life. They're based on realistic life stories of how people get through it. So what I do to help people and especially corporations and individuals help grow themselves is just walk through a process of how to learn how to love yourself, number one, but also how to Implement it, how to implement your dreams, how to implement what's in your heart, how to implement getting rid of the negative, and really putting yourself in a place of all your possibilities are endless, and you can really do anything that you have in your heart. It's all possible. You just have to believe in yourself. So working with me, I do my best to encourage people and look at their dreams and make them attainable. And push it through. I love this stuff. I think because the things that we have in our minds sometimes, right? Whether it's the the fear or sometimes the emotions or traumas or whatever it may be will keep people from going after those dreams or, or getting themselves into business or taking those first steps. So a lot of times you have to work through that emotional garbage, however you want to call it, that we have, right, to get to... I the think next they call place. it baggage, not well, garbage. Well, baggage, baggage, garbage. Garbage is the next thing. guest. Yeah, <laughs> it's all, we don't want it, right? We don't want all the, the negative stuff. And I like how you said, you know, you were in um, 
corporate America and decided to really follow what's going to make you feel good, make you happy. Yeah, and, and that's what makes me feel good and makes me feel I'm living an abundant life is to give back. That doesn't mean that's necessarily what it means to everybody Right, else. right. Um, and, and again, it's once you take away, I mean, I, I left a job where I was making the most I've ever made. And, it, you know, if, if it was money that drove me, I'd still be there. Right. But when I learned, like, when you take that mask off and you realize it's just a number on a piece of paper and you're always, as long as you're living your life, you're always supported and if you love what you do and you love the, your surroundings and you, you cherish every little thing that you have and you only need a few little things. You don't need right. big, your, fancy things. You know, a label changes. on a piece of a pair of jeans is just a label on a pair of jeans. So, Debbie, can you tell people where they can find you? Sure. I think the fastest and easiest place to find me is via Instagram, and it's at Debbie, D-E-B-B-Y, K-R-U-S-Z, and that's on Instagram. And I have a link tree in my bio where you can get to my website. You can get to my blog. You can get to my programs and everything else in between that I have out there. That's great. Thank you. We appreciate you being here, Alan. Thank you so much for being with us. And we hope that you've got some insightful information to help those people that are trying to transition like you did from being an employee somewhere to actually being their own boss. Right. And doing what is fulfilling and, and uh, giving back. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you. Thank you so much. When it comes to health coverage, you want solid value from a trustworthy company you can rely on. Florida Blue offers Medicare Advantage plans that can help you get more out of your health coverage. And don't you want more? Call Apple Insurance, your local agency for Florida Blue, at 888-MY-BLUE-8 to have all your Medicare questions answered and learn about different options. Don't settle for less than the value and stability Florida Blue has delivered throughout the state of Florida to Medicare beneficiaries for more than 25 years. Value, security, knowledge, and trust. Blue Medicare from Florida Blue means more. Call Apple Insurance at 888-MY-BLUE-8 today to speak to a licensed agent about your Medicare Advantage options. That's 888-MY-BLUE-8. Apple Insurance and Florida Blue. Call 888-MY-BLUE-8 today. Florida Blue is an independent license of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. My name is Tom Reed and I am the Managing General Partner at WGP Insurance Services in Lake Worth, Florida. What I do is help you as a business owner have the proper protection for your business at a competitive price. We will take time to review your business plan. We will definitely listen to your concerns. We want to help you grow. There's only two things that will happen by letting Tom review your policy. One, he's going to tell you that you have perfect coverage. Or two, he's going to save you lots of money and get you the correct coverage that you need. Give Tom a call. Please call me at 561-953-2007, extension 105. I'd love to hear from you. Good morning on this lovely Saturday morning. I'm Alan with Secret to My Success. I am blessed today to be sitting here with Louie. Hello, hello. Georgie. Hi, hi. And our favorite little Dawn. 
<laughs> Good morning. We have a wonderful guest today. We have Vanessa. Vanessa, say hello to the crew. Hello, crew. It's nice to be here. It's nice to have you here. So the accent, you're not really from Boston. <laughs> I am not from Boston. Originally from the UK via Switzerland, and now I live in Scottsdale, Arizona. Nice. nice. Is that why your accent sounds like a little like Mrs. Doubtfire, you know, it was a little muddled? They didn't know exactly where he was from? I am definitely a bit muddled with the accent these days, that's for sure. I actually like it. I didn't say I didn't like it. I'll tell you what, I can listen to that all day long. I, I didn't say that, but I'm, I'm just, just saying, saying. If I get a sales pitch from someone in a British I'm accent, I'm way more prone to be listening. I'm you, just going to change you almost my... Take uh, the, you almost then, believe then them instantly, don't you? I'm going to change my accent. voice on my phone so I can listen to this every day, all day long. That's kind of Maybe sexy. we can get her to do your <laughs> announcement for you. Hello, this is Lewis. I'll say I love it. <laughs> no? I'm, I'm yours. <laughs> I think we're straying away from this. Vanessa, let's talk about you. First of all, where are you located? So I am located in Scottsdale, Arizona. Nice. You guys have some political stuff going on out there that we're not talking on our show, but thank you for joining us. We're not going to talk about that, but we can talk about the big blue skies and the gorgeous sunshine that we have at this time of year. This is our favorite season. Oh, Sedona, Red Rocks, Flagstaff, love it. So you don't miss the rainy seasons of uh, the U.K.? I do not. I don't miss the gray skies, the blustery winds, the rain, yes, the fog. Haven't seen fog in years. Good for you. So I got to tell you, Vanessa, your tagline has gotten us talking up and down, inside and out this morning. And that's for your podcast. For your podcast. Correct. So I know we're going to be in violation and at some point this might have to be beeped out. I can bleep it out. But it's get rich without being a bitch. Louis, Louis wants to say biatch. A biatch. A biatch. But we would, don't want to offend Italian listeners. There's a lot of tags. Well, and that's yeah, the podcast. Bleach. And then the, the business is the, uh, yes. or your business academy. It's the business growth academy. So explain to me, Vanessa, this get rich without being a bitch. You came up with this, right? Yeah, some, so, some dude um, didn't do it. You know, it, it. you know, it's a great backstory. And it really, it, a lot of it comes down to my own backstory of when I went into business for myself. And, uh, you know, I stumbled, really stumbled into business. I wanted to help people. I became a coach. I, I landed a pretty, pretty significant corporate deal in my early days of being in business. And in fact, I, you know, was, was riding high. And about three years in, I lost a major contract. I put all of my eggs into one basket. And I nearly found myself having to file for bankruptcy. And I say nearly. I escaped it and I turned things around. But the important part of that story is that I didn't realize at the time that I actually had a fairly dysfunctional relationship with money, with being successful and actually generating more wealth for myself. Mm -hmm. And so as quickly as money was coming in, it was also kind of flying out as well. Hence why when I left, lost that contract, you know, there was no, very little money left in the bank account. And when I started to work on you know, what was really the root cause of this and what was really at the base of everything, I discovered for myself that I had this deeper, deeper fear that getting ahead for me meant that I had to become the type of woman I didn't want to be, um, almost like yeah. a Cruella de Vil type character or, you know, the Devil Wears Prada character. I, I can't remember her name. I think it's Miranda Priestley. 
And, you know, deep down inside, I was concerned that I would be perceived, frankly, as a cold-hearted bitch if I was successful in business. Vanessa, let me stop and you real quick. And it meant... Vanessa, real quick. meant that I was self-sabotaging. Vanessa, right. hold on just one quick second. So were you more concerned with being a bitch or being perceived no. as a bitch? I think, you know, it's a really good question. I actually think in the early days, it was more about being a bitch. I think I believed there was, I was lacking good female role models. And, you know, uh, so that I lacked those role models. And so in my mind, I had to be a bitch in order to get ahead. Later on, <laughs> I think I then, it, the, the fear was more around being perceived by others as being a bitch. If I was ambitious, opinionated, different. A strong uh, woman. Needing, needing a strong woman. Um, which I most certainly am, and I own that today. But back then, I was really concerned about perception. In some of the training that I've done, we've talked to people, and there's a difference between being confident and cocky. That when you're confident, you can back it up and support it. You shouldn't be afraid to de to show it and demonstrate it and offer it to people. Whereas if you're cocky, you know, we always joked around about the guy who said, I'm the best race car driver in the world because I got 22 speeding tickets on 95. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't really qualify <laughs> you for being a great race car driver. So it's interesting, the female perspective of this, of how you took that role that way. So tell me more about it. I didn't mean to cut you off. So, so well, and you know, really and truly over the years, it developed because at the time, you know, I mean, I thought that this was my own fear and that there was sort of something wrong with me and, and this was something I was struggling with. And then the more I started to talk about it, there were, you know, things came to light, which was, A, I saw so many more women that were actually struggling with money, struggling with the finances, struggling to charge what they, what, what they believed their services were worth, struggling to know their numbers in business. So I could see this, there was a whole financial situation that women were struggling with, just as myself, and equally so, so many women, you know, also had this cons these concerns around how they were perceived. Now, unfortunately, those perceptions are, you know, they run very, very deep. I mean, they still prevail to this day. I was actually, in fact, chatting with one of my own uh, clients who's a financial advisor recently. We were working through his own backstory of why he wants to support women in business. And he's got daughters and a, and a backstory as to why he wants to really work with that demo demographic of women. And he shared with me, actually, just last Friday, something that was really shocking that, you know, 30 years ago when he started out in the financial services industry and he was out in New York, on the floor there was a term that said, don't pitch the bitch. And this is what men in the department, financial services were saying, was if you get a woman on the phone, like basically don't speak to her. You know, she's strong, opinionated, they consider her to be difficult, you are going after the white male target. And Vanessa, that was literally right. the slogan, which was don't pitch the bitch. Vanessa, 100%. And I, and I believe that it's something that a lot of men deal with today is when strength looks sexy on a woman, um, as opposed to when she's in the business world, then it looks a little intimidating and men can feel t some type of way by that. 
and definitely you were talking about um, these stereotypes. You can see it in American culture as well. We have movies like The Proposal where you have this successful businesswoman and she is perceived as a bitch. Yeah. So I have to ask, how do you deal with being a successful businesswoman? And so how do you deal with being successful and being a woman in such a leading industry such as yours? Right. It, 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 it certainly can be challenging. Um, so, I mean, one of the things, you know, that I'm just passionate about is, A, having this conversation, um, making this conversation more normal, um, also celebrating women, um, and particularly amongst women, because the other side of this is that, you know, women aren't always that kind to one another. Mm-hmm. Um, again, there can be some real stereotypes there. So we're very passionate about changing the conversation, making sure that we're respectful, that we're elevating women, that we are celebrating success. We're absolutely making it totally okay to talk about financial security, financial success, make that the norm. So we want to at least be part of changing that conversation. Um, Obviously, I have my own, you know, I have my own daughter as well. So I want to be, you know, inside of my family, a good solid role, role model to my own daughter so that she's growing up inside of a, a new experience and a different mindset. Vanessa, how do you align your perception of how you want others to see you versus how you think others are seeing you? How do you make that work? We had a guest on here before and it was pretty interesting talking about where people wanted to be versus where they were perceived out in the real world. Gosh, you know, it's such a great question. I think, you know, one way I would answer that is, and this is coming back to the, in those early days, mistakenly believing that I needed to become a different version of myself in order to get get ahead. Today, I really feel like I'm a, a very authentic expression of me. Um, I can be goofy, I can be serious, I can, you know, laugh about things, you know, I might drop an F-bot bomb once in a while if you know if that, that's what i want to do i does I that have the same tennis. meaning an f-bomb in the uk is the same as the f-bomb here right it is okay it just, exactly. just want to make sure it is. i want to make sure i didn't culturally miss something yes exactly but i think today you know i'm not so concerned about those perceptions you know and i'm really in that place of like this is who I am. I want to be authentic. The people that will be attracted to the brand will be attracted to our brand because of that level of authenticity, which I believe also builds trust. Um, I'm not going to be for everybody, and I'm totally okay with that. So today I would say I'm far less concerned about perception, and I'm far more concerned about really being me and being fully self-expressed and always evolving inside of that. Yeah, I think, um, I guess on that note, like being a woman, right? And it's taken me a lot of years with, you know, kids and family and just getting to a place to where I I don't care, not that I don't care, but just to be in that place where I'm just gonna be me, you know, whether it's dropping the F-bomb or, or, you know, whatever that may be, that I'm just gonna be authentically myself and not so much worried about everyone's perceptions. I mean, yes, to a certain degree, if that makes any sense, but it took me a long time to get to that point I'm trying to be the best that I could be. The distinction, you know, for me, the there's, again, the, the, especially the word authenticity. I mean, there's a lot of people that will use that in the wrong way, as in the 
this is just the way I am and right. kind of put up with me. I right. don't, you know, this isn't an excuse. It's not an excuse to, you know, be a bad person in the world or upset others. For me, it's about, you know, the the, the best version of The me, best version, right. right. I'm yep. constantly wanting to improve myself, learn. I'm also a fallible human being that makes mistakes, doesn't right. get it right. I have my fears and concerns just as other people do. And I'm far more embracing today of all of that and all of the different aspects of myself as well. Um, and not feeling like I have to project some sort of persona out into the world of, you know, what's a successful woman looks like. So Vanessa, let's talk about successful women and what you do to help them. Yes, because that's a great conversation. <laughs> yes. And I wish we had another 20 minutes, but yes, we're a little short for time. But tell us, what do you do to help women? How do you help them? So one of the, the things, and again, aligned with this, passionate about helping women create financial security through their businesses. We primarily work with um, women-owned businesses. They're service-based, a lot of professional services. And again, women are still behind um, when it comes to the finances, what they're paying themselves, top-line revenues. We're still behind our male counterparts. Um, that's something that we're helping to change. So we're, we're helping them to you know, get more clients, you know, increase those revenues. A lot of our women as well, they're moving from being solopreneurs to building a team and actually employing people so that they're not having to do everything in their business and that they can be far more of the CEO and in their own zone of genius. So we're really looking at you know, helping those women grow and scale businesses. But what's really important for us as well is and live the lifestyle that they want to live as well. So it's not hustle and burnout and we're you know, dedicating you know, the next 20 years to building a business and then we'll start to have fun. It's really living a very integrated lifestyle with the business so that they can be, you know, experiencing all of it. Vanessa, at what point, if you were to roadmap the idea of a woman starting a business from concept to execution to everything else, what point in that process do you believe you start adding the most value? I, we really start to add value when, when there's a proven concept. So for us, um, the, a woman has already got her business you know, mapped out. She's already got clients. They, most of our clients are typically at about the six figures, their first six figures in revenue. Of course, it doesn't mean profit or paying themselves. But for me, that means they've got a proven concept. They know how to sell. They've got an idea of who their clients are. They've typically got quite a lot going on. And that's when we can really take their business, help them dial things in, streamline, simplify, and then quickly accelerate that growth. Vanessa, we are unfortunately um, out of time here. So can you tell our listeners where they can find you, your website, uh, a phone number? Absolutely. The best place, you know, home base is businessgrowthacademy.com. That's the best place right there, businessgrowthacademy.com. And there's contact information on there. There's even a free book that listeners can download as well that might be useful for them in their journey. Fantastic. Do you have any closing words, any words of wisdom from the woman who developed Get Rich Without Being a Bitch? You must have something good for us to close this up. Absolutely. I would say that, you know, you can absolutely get rich, which isn't just about financial. It's really living right. that wealthy, abundant life. 
by being you, right, and doing it on your terms. Um, and that's really important. It's like defi- define what success looks like and fulfillment looks like for you as a woman and then go after it ambitiously. I would absolutely agree with that. I think most business owners don't realize that. Your goal is to try and capture as much money as you can, doing nice things for your clients, but there's a whole group of people at the same time trying to figure out ways to take your money. And your goal has to be that you have to be better than those people. You have to raise more money than you give. Well, Vanessa, thank you uh, for being with us today. And um, yeah, everyone should check out her podcast, the blogs. I read through some things, great information. I think it's helpful in, in business and just life in general for men and women. I mean, there's some great tips on there. So t- check it out. For yeah, sure. thank you for being on, Vanessa. And we'll definitely, uh, we'll get you back on to to give us more stories, to give you give us more of your wisdom. And dive deeper, we, right? Dive yeah. deeper, and we really appreciate having you on today. Vanessa, you don't take this the wrong way. Thank you, thank you. No, really, and for, as I say, for, for just creating a platform for this conversation because it is an important one. Thank yes. you. I have a few clients I'm going to send your way. They're going to appreciate when I tell them, excuse me, ma'am, but I've got this woman you really need to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> Tell them the title. You'll always know if you tell them the title of the podcast and you get a good reaction, you know full well it's a good introduction to make. (laughs) Exactly. Thank you so much. We really appreciate being here. All right, Vanessa, thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Your Workers' Comp Specialist. No money down Workers' Comp. Pay for your coverage as you use it. Non-compliant workers' comp fines from the state of Florida start at $1,000 when you get caught. They will find you. When you have questions and need help, WGP Insurance Services will answer your call. Getting the right coverage can save you thousands of dollars a year. Call 561-953-2007. When it comes to health coverage, you want solid value from a trustworthy company you can rely on. Florida Blue offers Medicare Advantage plans that can help you get more out of your health coverage. And don't you want more? Call Apple Insurance, your local agency for Florida Blue, at 888-MY-BLUE-8 to have all your Medicare questions answered and learn about different options. Don't settle for less than the value and stability Florida Blue has delivered throughout the state of Florida to Medicare beneficiaries for more than 25 years. Value, security, knowledge, and trust. Blue Medicare from Florida Blue means more. Call Apple Insurance at 888-MY-BLUE-8 today to speak to a licensed agent about your Medicare Advantage options. That's 888-MY-BLUE-8. Apple Insurance and Florida Blue. Call 888-MY-BLUE-8 today. Florida Blue is an independent license of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. Good morning. This is Alan Bornstein and George Cruz with Secret to My Success. Hello, everyone. How are we doing? We'd like to thank you for being here at this ungodly hour at 7 a.m. on Saturday morning. We appreciate you being here, and we have a very special guest with us. Some of you might not know her by her name, Cynthia Bauer. However, she was every young man's fantasy and dream in a little movie called Animal House. And I know it's way behind her, and she doesn't like to talk about it, but we're just going to get into it real quick, and then we're going to get into this really cool business she has. So, Cynthia, we have to ask, how did you get into that movie? 
Hi, Ellen. It's a pleasure to be here to talk with you. I really um, thank you for inviting me. Um, how did I get into that movie? Well, I was a young actress in L.A., and I submitted my, my photograph, and um, I got a call one day to say that they thought that I'd be perfect for this part, and I, um, I remember that I decided to hitchhike to the studios because I thought that would toughen me up by the time I got there. <laughs> I could do a better job <laughs> of, um, of interviewing for it, and um, so I did, and John Landis had his wife sitting next to him um, for this role because, um, as you know, I did I expose part of my body. And so I had to, you know, show that part of my body to make sure that I had no uh, issues. And it was very sweet, and they were very sweet, and the part was, you know, my first big part, and met a lot of uh, friends there. Um, it It was a very wild party time movie. I was a pretty innocent young girl. I kind of held hands with some of the more innocent uh, actors there and um yeah that's what i did yeah and I, I really did enjoy it i i loved it yeah and that's sounds... i decided to get out of the that sounds well, amazing i decided to get out of the oh it was it was a good start and i started getting other roles after that but um i decided to get out of the business because i felt i i exper- experienced the whole thing of the me too movement that they talk about now and I didn't want to be a part of that. So I moved on and I went back to fashion design school and studied um, clothing design and started my first, well, my first big business was my clothing design business. How long ago was that? And tell us about that. Oh gosh, that was, uh, that was a long time ago. That was, let's say 40, no, 35 years ago. And um, and I went to school at Los Angeles Trade Tech, and I um, I just loved it. I was so passionate about it. I started winning, you know, different uh, little awards from the school. And as soon as I graduated from that, I started my own business. I um, when I was an actress and a model, my uh, my my favorite photographer became my husband, and so we lived in a big photo studio in Hollywood. And I set up my clothing design business and hired my first three team. And well, my husband was a, a commercial photographer, and um, we did. I did that for two years there. Sold to some very high end um, stores. I I bought. I did all silk. I was known as a silk um, designer. And then my husband and I decided that we wanted to get out of the rat race of L.A. And we picked, on the map, we picked New Zealand because they spoke English. And we thought maybe we'll have a sheep farm someday. So <laughs> anyway, we went, we came over, we came to New Zealand and explored it and fell in love with it. And it took us a year to kind of go through the whole motions of um, immigrating. And so we packed up our bags and all of our furniture and came to New Zealand. And, and do I've you been have here a sheep farm? For, I think. I had a goat farm of all things. Yes, we did eventually. I, I, we got over here with my clothing design business on the entrepreneur scheme. And so we ran that for two years and my husband did his photography. And then my knitting lady, who um, I used to go pick up my knitwear from her, she did silk um, knit, knitwear to go with my clothing. And I fell in love with her goats. 
and she had names for them all, and she'd tell me, I remember their names today, and, and Doris would tell me all about them and how much she loved them, and she, there was a big scheme in New Zealand that if you bought these goats, that you would get a total 100% tax write-off, so I decided that I would buy, I'd go to an auction, and I'd buy some goats, and Doris said that she could take care of them for me, and I just, I fell in love with it, so I ended up, um, I ended up closing my fashion business, selling all everything I had to local fashion designers, and I we bought a goat farm, and I started breeding goats for five years, and then I fell in love with their mohair. I designed a, a yarn. I was I my kitchen turned into a laboratory, and then I found a spinning company to spin my yarns, and I started. I learned how to create knitwear and um, or design knitwear and then I started selling I came back to the United States and went to knitwear shows and sold my knitting patterns and my yarns and then one day a big company in New Zealand um, offered me a opportunity I didn't refuse which was to um, they bought my company and put me on um, on retainer and I traveled um, the U.S. and Canada for five years inspiring people at events um, how to knit, and therefore they would buy my patterns and um, Alliance Textiles yarns, and that was that was amazing. That was an amazing time. And then the knitwear business went down, and Alliance suffered, and there just wasn't any money. There was, as trends do, there wasn't that much money into it anymore. So I continued to get royalties, but I, I met a girlfriend at a yoga workshop, and she had a business called Touch the Earth, and she needed a she needed someone to come in with her, and I thought, what a beautiful thing to do. So I did, and we had that for five years. And then I met, um, at that time, I, uh, Marsh, my first husband and I broke up. So we, I went looking for candles for our store, and I met my second husband, who had just um, started a candle business. He was from Switzerland. I fell in love with the candles and him, and we came to in that the day where I now live. Mm-hmm. The candles yep. first. <laughs> the candles yep. first, and then uh, just yep. just checking. Okay, never mind. Keep, yep. Continue. <laughs> and we came. We decided after two years of we were his best customer. We decided that we we went on a holiday in Golden Bay, where I live, which is absolutely beautiful part of New Zealand. It's just so picturesque and gorgeous. And we decided we'd move here together and set up the candle business together. He asked me to be a partner, so we did, and I haven't looked back. And I've been doing this now for 23 years. Wow. Cynthia, um, you're the perfect example of a person who never took a left turn. You took a series of little turns and (laughs) landed up in New Zealand, of all places, making candles. Mm. A long, long way from being in a movie. So let's talk about your candles, because I personally have bought a few, and they're amazing. So tell oh, us a little no. bit about your, your candle Thank shop. Thank you. Well, it's it's basically a home fragrance and candle company that it started with one person and now I've got 23 staff. And we sell to Australia. I sell on Amazon in, in the USA, and that's how you and I kind of met through that in um, other ways. And then we sell throughout New Zealand. We're a big supplier of wholesale stores in New Zealand, and then we're a big online presence. So... We're not just candles, but we are home fragrance, room sprays, we candles, um, diffusers, body care, body lotions, and so we built. I built a brand over these years. But the candle that we're so famous for is called the Icicle, which is the one we sell at Amazon. And 
that in itself is a story. So we created this, um, I would get molds, and this one is an obelisk one. And one day, um, many years ago, 15 years ago, my my crazy, crazy candle maker asked if she could um, play around with the mold with different materials. And I said, well, let's try it with a plant and the beeswax. So we did. And over a course of, I don't know, three or four months, we kept trying different wicks. And then one day, this icicle, which is obelisk, started looking like Gaudi's Cathedral in Spain. It was amazing. And I thought, oh, my God, that's so beautiful. I hope other people like it as much as we do. So we um, we just started creating it and improving on it. And over the years, the, the, the team I've got now, the girls, they're just such perfectionists, and they really take pride in what they do. And we've just perfected it over the years, and it just has this beautiful... Um, beautiful lace-like pattern as it burns down and everybody loves it. So that's kind of our famous product that we make. So (laughs) a few questions. One, where can people buy your candles online? Because I don't think people are driving to New Zealand to get it. Yeah. No. Well, at the moment, they can buy them on Amazon, which is um, Amazon.com, I think, slash Living Light. We have the brand presence there, so they can buy them there right now. They're all available on icicles and and soon I'll probably be um, starting a, a website in the USA, um, either on either with Amazon or on our own, that we'll be selling our new range that we've just been creating over the last year and a half. But that hasn't happened yet. But the icicles are on Amazon, and we'd love people to buy them and, and support New Zealand Made. Awesome. <laughs> so one last question. Any advice that you could give to a young woman starting out, thinking about starting her own business? What advice would you leave for them? Gosh. Well, I guess the thing that I, the biggest thing that I learned and I would tell my 20-year-old self is that um, when you're building something or building a brand, don't try to be everything to everybody. You simplify what you have and really stand by that and know that what you're doing is there to improve other people's lives and that it's about that. It's about giving to those people, whoever it is you're, you're creating for, and think about that more than anything. And also to know that your team is absolutely, if you're, if you're growing and you're having people work for you, your team is your biggest asset. And to be really aware of what you're looking for so that you've got the best team possible. Um, be very discerning about that. And to basically, I think what I, I think I have to go back to just don't try to be everything to everybody. And also find people that you want to model. Like there's so many people out there. There's a whole self-education revolution at the moment. And so just find people online that you can actually learn from. I'm still learning from people. I still join courses and go to events um, online so that I can learn. And I think that's really helpful. Yeah, finding your tribe. Mm. Cynthia, we can't thank you enough for being with us. Thank you so much. You're amazing. We're going to want to bring you back and have you again on our show. We would love to have you back. Absolutely. Your your story is so inspirational for people that are listening in. I feel like a lot of people can relate to what you've been saying this whole show. So thank you so much for showing up. Oh, good. You're so welcome. It was a pleasure. Yeah, I will be happy to do that again. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Enjoy your day. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to The Secret to My Success on Legends 100.3. Tune in next week for more from Alan, George, Lewis, and their spectacular guests. Find the secret to your success. My name is Tom Reed, and I am the Managing General Partner at WGP Insurance Services in Lake Worth, Florida. What I do is help you as a business owner have the proper protection for your business at a competitive price. 
We will take time to review your business plan. We will definitely listen to your concerns. We want to help you grow. There's only two things that will happen by letting Tom review your policy. One, he's going to tell you that you have perfect coverage. Or two, he's going to save you lots of money and get you the correct coverage that you need. Give Tom a call. Please call me at 561-953-2007, extension 105. I'd love to hear from you. When it comes to health coverage, you want solid value from a trustworthy company you can rely on. Florida Blue offers Medicare Advantage plans that can help you get more out of your health coverage. And don't you want more? Call Apple Insurance, your local agency for Florida Blue, at 888-MY-BLUE-8 to have all your Medicare questions answered and learn about different options. Don't settle for less than the value and stability Florida Blue has delivered throughout the state of Florida to Medicare beneficiaries for more than 25 years. Value, security, knowledge, and trust. Blue Medicare from Florida Blue means more. Call Apple Insurance at 888-MY-BLUE-8 today to speak to a licensed agent about your Medicare Advantage options. That's 888-MY-BLUE-8. Apple Insurance and Florida Blue. Call 888-MY-BLUE-8 today. Florida Blue is an independent license of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. Florida Closets and More offers simple and affordable custom home storage solutions for the areas of your home that you use the most. Pantries, closets, laundry rooms. Florida Closets and More is family owned and operated and their design consultations are not only free, but always with a professional designer. Florida Closets and More installs in six to eight weeks from the order date and they serve all of Southwest Florida. Learn more about Florida Florida Closets and More by visiting FloridaClosetsAndMore.com. That's FloridaClosetsAndMore.com or follow them on Facebook. Just look up Florida Closets and More. 